It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Another quick one for you today as the Warriors take on the Kings tonight in Sacramento. Talk of statues and jersey retirements and some funny other things going on across the NBA that we are definitely going to get to coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. What up, what up? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, CTH. That was lame. Charles T. Hamilton, what's good? Friday. Hope everyone's ready for the weekend. I know I am. Warriors taking on the Kings tonight. Lakers complaining about calls. Mike D'Antoni fires back at them. Greta in Phoenix ain't having Robert Sarver's bullshit. Some fun stuff going on across the NBA, no doubt. Going to start with tonight's game, though. Warriors at Kings, 7 o'clock tip-off. Check it out. A number of things that intrigue me about this game. And look, the Kings are, they're not not the Kings of yesteryear. The kings of your father's kings. I don't know what the saying is. And it's not your father's kings either because they've been bad uh, throughout our lifetime. But this team is good. This team is good. They have a lot of young talent that is actually developing and working out. I mean, you know, when they had Tyreek Evans, Tyreek Evans beat Steph for the rookie of the year. He never became what you would have expected after that first season. But we're seeing it with Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They have a number of good players who you have to take seriously. You definitely have to take them seriously. To the point where, look, they're 15-12 and right now. That's only two more losses than than the Warriors have. Uh, The Warriors have played two more games, but still. Sack is over 500 uh, this deep into the season for the first time in, uh, I don't know, a thousand years, something like that. But they're legit, and there are some matchups that I'm intrigued by tonight because of the fact the Warriors are coming off of, look, a, a bad bad loss, a bad showing against Toronto. So are they going to bounce back and handle a team like Sacramento like they should? Because, look, Sacramento, they're still good. I, I Like I said, I still believe Everything I just said, I think they're solid, but there's no question the Warriors should still handle them. But there was also no question the Warriors should have handled a Kawhi-less Toronto Raptors team. So there's questions, I guess you could say. But at the same time, it's still the Warriors, still overloaded with talent. 
but I'm still very interested because a guy like De'Aaron Fox is fast. <laughs> and, you know, Steph is going to have to be checking De'Aaron Fox. Buddy Heald is one hell of a three-point shooter. Clay's going to have to be sticking him. It's just, it's an interesting matchup of a young up-and-coming team and the champs. Sacramento plays at the fastest pace in the NBA. They have the athletes to do so, and they take advantage of it. Another matchup that I'm interested in is just the center position overall because Willie Cauley-Stein is one of the most athletic centers in the game. I know a lot of people look at if you can jump high, you're an athlete. It's way more than that, and Willie Cauley-Stein is way more than that. Fastest up and down the court, no question. His lateral movement is tops when it comes to centers and then if he if you're not playing against him then they have Costa Kufus not spectacular but he's one of those big bodies that the Warriors don't have at the moment Uh, Marvin Bagley the number two overall pick who is another incredible athlete Harry Giles might get a little run he's another guy that that they're just gonna have trouble matching up with it's gonna be a long night for Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell and probably Jonas Jerebko some too so and then off the bench they've got Solid players, solid scorers coming off the bench. Yogi Farrell can come in and get buckets. Frank Mason will drive to the hoop against anyone. It's kind of to his detriment, but at the same time, it's it's a fearlessness that he has. So I'm I'm intrigued to see it, man. The the last game the Warriors won against them was a nail biter. Warriors won by like one, right, with a a wedgie at the end of the game and a jump ball. So I'm wondering if there will be any adjustments from Steve Kerr after. The, the disappointing showing against Toronto? Or is he just chalking it up as one of those games that the Warriors didn't show up for and now they're going to show up against Sacramento? We'll see. They get great crowds in Sacramento too. It should be a good atmosphere. It should be a fun night. As far as the Warriors are concerned, Clay Thompson, consistency. And I'm going to keep saying, I know it's repetitive, but I'm going to keep saying it until he proves it because he went 0 for 5 from 3 last game. Are we going to start seeing some consistency? It starts with one game, and then another game, and then another game. Steph Curry, will Steph Curry bounce back from his poor showing against Toronto? And it's not just missing shots. He was just kind of out of it. The turnovers were terrible against Toronto. Steph is very much a part of that. Will Draymond be the, you know, ball of energy that we've seen him be, that he was uh, his first game back? And where he's able to channel that energy into positive plays. Or will it be working against him like it did against Toronto? Jonas Jerebko, is he going to be able to knock down shots and get back to how well he was playing before the Toronto game? A couple of numbers from Grant Liffman here of Warriors Outsiders that kind of exemplifies how valuable Jonas Jerebko is to the Warriors. When Jerebko scores 10-plus points in a game... The Warriors are 9-1, and one. which, by the way, pretty impressive. Drebko has 10 games of 10-plus points, and I'm going off of the recent history of Warriors bench players. Like, is it really that impressive for a bench player to score 10 points? Not really, but the last one to do that consistently or semi-consistently, I think, was Mo Spates, right? So this is pretty impressive. And the one loss they had in that 9-1 nine, uh, nine and one, in those 10 games where Jarebko scoring 10 points, was Toronto, uh, the first Toronto game where they lost in overtime. When Jarebko scores five points or fewer 
in a game. Warriors are five and seven. So it's not the be all end all. You know, if Steph goes off for 50 or something, probably going to win. But it shows how important Jarebko is to this team, not just his points. But when he's hitting from three, that stretches the floor more. That opens lanes more for everyone else. And it gives them someone else to score besides the big, big three, I guess. We need a better name. I don't know, because it's it's kind of like a big four, big five. So I, I don't even know. But when I refer to the big three, that's Steph, Clay, KD. I'm sure you all figured that out, but just have to explain it. And not to mention all the other things that Jarebko does for this team, the rebounding, uh, physical defense, etc. When it comes to Clay, Clay Thompson, when he shoots 40% from three in a game, the Warriors are 11 and one. Clay is at the point when you're playing with Steph and KD. We've said before that, you know, when Andre's hitting shots or when Draymond's hitting shots, the Warriors are unbeatable. When Clay's hitting shots, the Warriors are pretty close to unbeatable, too. And that's what makes the struggles so uncharacteristic and so frustrating is because we know how much better he is. He's a career 42% three-point shooter on huge numbers. It's not 42% on two shots a game. Again, just waiting to see that consistency. And the last one for uh, Alfonso McKinney, when he is really getting after the glass, two or more offensive rebounds a game, Warriors are 7-1. and one. Now, again, none of these are directly, directly related to them winning, but they definitely help. You know, it, it's not... Oh, there it is. Second offensive rebound for the Warriors. They're going to win this game. But those are positive numbers and positive contributions from two bench players and probably your third best player that are really vital to winning games. And we'll see if they're able to do these things tonight against the Sacramento Kings. This is Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. Charles T. Hamilton, what's happening? Friday afternoon. Can't wait for the weekend. I'm sure you all feel the same. Warriors are taking on the... Sacramento Kings tonight, as I've said, should be a good game. I would love for this to turn into a rivalry, so to speak, just because they've never been good at the same time. They've never had a situation where both are playoff teams. It's always been the Kings have their run in the early 2000s, Warriors have We Believe, and then they're both bad for another you know, eight years. Kings a little longer than that. Warriors go on this run, and the Kings were still the Kings. Hopefully, this is the start of something, because a great NorCal rivalry, and I think people hate when they say NorCal, a great Northern California rivalry would be awesome. You know, the L.A. Bay Area rivalry, it's fun, but who cares? I don't care about L.A. 
Speaking of L.A., LeBron James and Lonzo Ball and Luke Walton and a couple others all complained about foul calls last night against the Rockets. And LeBron and Lonzo even went so far as to put their hands behind their back to try and prove a point. How'd that work out? Did the refs get it? Did you did, did, did they start calling it your way? Because that was adorable when you guys did that. That you guys pretty much gave up on a defensive possession to try and make a dramatic point. It's so f***ing stupid. Now, don't get me wrong. James Harden is the most frustrating player to play against. The calls he gets will drive you crazy. And they might have somewhat of a point. He shot 19 free throws last night. But everyone has to deal with it. You're not the only team that has to deal with it. You're not the team that's going to make the difference either. You're not the guys that are going to make refs go, huh, maybe we shouldn't call every flop. But at the same time, you also can't be undercutting James Harden while he's shooting a three, which they did numerous times last night. Mike D'Antoni had some funny things to say about it. I think I'm going to play him for you. Call the fouls that James draws. Yeah, you... yeah, yeah. They should talk about it. They shouldn't foul. <laughs> yeah, they foul. You know, they don't want to. You walk under a guy, put a foot under him. It's a foul. That's what we've been doing. And, you know, sorry. You feel like there's an advantage he has once he starts to get in somebody's head? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That. You, just, you know, every individual is different, so I don't know about that. But I do know that James Harden um, gets fouled. That's just what happens. Now, as much as I don't like the Rockets, Mike D'Antoni's a great quote. And I thought that was pretty good. But his best one was his response to this question. Yeah, I think it a couple times. We've done a couple times. It doesn't mean anything. You're not going to be on guard with your hands out, with your hands behind you. Put them in any place you want to. You're not going to happen. Now, the audio is a little mumbled there. Uh, Dan Tony mumbles a little bit, but he basically what he said was, "That's cute. You're not going to be able to guard him anyways." And I shout out Dan Tony, another good quote. But what I'm trying to get at is, maybe it's just me, but it feels like the Lakers are complaining about officiating more than any other team this season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's teams that complain more. Maybe the, the Lakers don't complain that much. But man, they sure do. In my opinion complain a little too much as if they're the only team that's had to deal with James Harden. And like I said, you're not the people that are going to be able to change the minds of officiating across the NBA. Moving on. Robert Sarver, the terrible owner of the Phoenix Suns came out and said, he's not looking to move the team to Seattle or there was one other place. I forget where, but basically that was a report that came out the other day that Sarver was looking to move the team. He came out and made a pathetic statement saying, I'm not looking to move the team anywhere, but you need to give me these kinds of upgrades. You need to upgrade our practice facility. You need to upgrade the arena. You need to do this, that, blah, 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 uh, which is pathetic. And in the words of one Bill Simmons, I believe that billionaires should pay for their own football stadiums. <laughs> that is one of my favorite, favorite uh, quotes ever. If you guys don't remember, it was from a promo for his HBO show that got canceled to make him seem edgy. He, you know, let the, the controversial opinion be known that. I believe that billionaires should pay for their own football stadiums. 
Okay, back to Sarver. Uh, <laughs> the so you know he was just he's a terrible owner. He's pathetic. And there was a town hall meeting, I believe it was, where my girl Greta got up and had some things to say. Uh, this is this is her piece on Robert Sarver. Mr. Sarver has done nothing to improve this team in the 14 years he's owned it. He's never funded or bought, paid for two or three key players, which make any sports team, professional sports team, successful or on the road to success. He's so tight, he squeaks when he walks. And you have been negotiating with this kind of person? Shame on each and all of you. And upon you, Ed, I thought your principles were higher and better than this. We are not in the business of paying taxes to support private enterprise, and, and especially not an entertainment enterprise. They can support themselves or fail on their own lack of diligence. Shout out, Greta. She nailed it. Uh, this started out funny, and I found it rather humorous, as bad as Phoenix is. And Greta's absolutely right. And I know I threw a Bill Simmons joke in there and all that stuff, because all that stuff is funny, but it comes down to the truth that there's absolutely no way that any city should be in the business of paying for private enterprise, especially entertainment. I mean, Greta nailed it. And I'm doing all this to get to the point that I appreciate Joe Lacob and the Warriors so much that they said, yeah, we want a new arena. You know what? Here, here's the money. We're going to take care of it. I think that's awesome. I love that they're doing that. I think that's how it should be done. If you want a new arena, a new stadium, out of your own pocket. I honestly feel bad for Vegas right now. What's going on with the Raiders? I think that's terrible business, and I'm glad Oakland said we're not paying a dime to give you a new stadium. One last thing I want to get to before we take another break. Jabari Parker is officially out of the Bulls rotation. It just became news the other day that they were, he's going to be out of the rotation. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. He's not going to be part of the regular rotation anymore. He might get some random minutes here or there. But for a guy who is making $20 million this year and has a team option for $20 million next year, you have to imagine that, well, obviously they're not going to pick up that team option next year, but that a buyout could be on the way. And it's tough to say because we don't know what the team will look like with DeMarcus Cousins and how the staggering of minutes will go. We all expect that Cousins will get minutes with the second unit. And as much as I like the second unit and the bench of the Warriors right now, there is not a go-to scorer on that unit. There are guys like McKinney and Jarebko and Quinn Cook who can knock down threes. Again, Quinn, I'd like to see. I, I don't know what the mindset is with Quinn. When he starts, he goes after it. When he's coming off the bench, he's a little more passive. But if Jabari Parker gets bought out, I I don't know if he would want to come to the Warriors to accept a lesser role than he could get somewhere else. But if he gets bought out, it's definitely something they should look at. I mean, if Robin Lopez gets bought out too, that's something they should look at. Whatever Bulls get bought out, the Warriors should be looking at it. But I do think that Jabari Parker could be an asset 
just as a score. I know he's abysmal on defense. I know that. And that might be what keeps the Warriors from even touching him. But they should look at it if he gets bought out. They should definitely kick kick the tires. Explore the space. Because a scorer like him in a specific role would be a, a, a good addition to this team. The idea of him making $20 million and being a starter somewhere doesn't work. But a guy coming in and being a scorer off the bench, a gunner for the most part, it's probably the right role for him. And on a team with the Warriors, I think, surrounded by good defenders and veterans, etc., could work out. Could work out. I'm just saying that this is all speculation on my part. Reckless speculation. That's what we do here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. Going to wrap this thing up, uh, get you out of here for the weekend. Going to do some league pass picks in a second. But one more thing I wanted to mention about... The Warriors, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has done a a lot of media recently, which is, you know, whatever. Go for it. It's weird. For a guy who seemingly doesn't like the media and hates a lot of the stuff they do, he sure does a good amount of it. But anyways, I forget who the podcast was with, or maybe it was an article. I don't even know. But basically, Kevin Durant said that I guarantee you all the, the, the main guys, the all-stars, me, Clay, Steph, and me means KD. Me, Clay, Steph, Draymond, we'll all get our jerseys retired. We're all going to get statues. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree. The only thing I will say for KD, maybe you have to stick around a little longer. And I'm not reading into it that he's saying he's staying. That's, that's for other people to do. I hate that low-hanging fruit bull that people like to use to to fill their content. I'm not going to do that. Definitely not ever going to speculate on Kevin Durant's future unless something solid comes out, and this is nothing solid. But for him to get the statue jersey retirement, maybe you got to stick around a little longer. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Maybe not. Who knows? Three titles in three years? I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with them honoring him in that way. But that's not for me to decide. On to League Pass picks for tonight. A lot of good games, actually. This is a good slate tonight, man. Uh, Warriors-Kings is up there, but there's still some other games as far as records and matchups go. Pacers and Sixers is a good one. I'm not sure if Oladipo is back. He should be. Two similar records, 18-10, and 19-10. Pacers 18-10, Sixers 19-10, blah, blah, blah. Thunder and Nuggets, the Thunder Nuggets. That's another good one. And then Raptors Blazers. So three pretty solid games there. You know I'm going to be locked in on Warriors Kings first and foremost. And then maybe I'll see what else is going on with these other games, like the Thunder Nuggets. I just like saying that now. But yeah, full slate. Check it out. 
probably come back with another one tomorrow on Saturday. Not positive either way. Everyone have a good, safe, fun weekend, and I will talk to you soon. This is Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth, right? You got to go over the rough spots. (laughs) Peace. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.